We are here with very worshipful brother, Harry Adamson. You are the past uh, senior grand deacon or grand senior deacon. Yeah, in the, uh, year, the, the year 2007-2008. Uh, you're also past master of Kilcona Lodge. Yeah, that was in 2007, I do believe, but I was also past master of Transcona Lodge number 123, but that lodge and Kildonan Lodge, they amalgamated in 2003, and then I became master in 2007 of that lodge. And currently, if I'm not mistaken, you're the chaplain of Kilcona Lodge. Yes, I am, but with this coronavirus, unfortunately, we haven't had no meetings and everything like that, but I am the chaplain. And at the moment, we've got people waiting at the sidelines. There's one or two to be raised to the sublime degree. There is one waiting to be advanced to the fellow craft. And we have two, I do believe, that are waiting to be initiated, but with what's happening right now, things are on hold. And you are also, the, the last name that you see on the screen isn't a coincidence, you are my father, so we're recording <laughs> this for, uh, for Father's Day, uh, to show on Father's Day as a uh, tribute to not only all the Masonic dads out there, but just all the dads out there who have to put up with uh, dummies like me for a son, so <laughs> uh, appreciate it. I didn't have to put up with you too long because in 2004, you decided to move down to Ottawa. That's right. And then from Ottawa to Windsor, and here I am. Yeah, and you, you stayed there. You, you didn't want to come back to the land of milk and honey, Winnipeg. I love Winnipeg. Don't get me in trouble with the Winnipeg people. <laughs> but I do want to take a moment to show you something uh, and to show this is going to go on the, on the, the YouTube love- video too. I'd have to put my glasses on. I'll put it up to the screen. You should be able to see it in a second. You know, we're looking at uh, all the people in, in YouTube can see you, you know, with your shiny bald head and all that. But I don't know if you can see this at all. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Funny you see that. That's uh, my sister's wedding going back. 50 years, maybe. I, that I remember, what, I remember so when that, I was... Oh, go ahead. That was the years when long hair was famous, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones in England. That was, that was it. I remember growing up, I used to tell my mom, who's there somewhere, I used to tell her I wanted long hair, and she told me I wasn't allowed. <laughs> Meanwhile, you got to have long hair when you were a <laughs> no, well, younger well, man. My mom... And I didn't really have arguments, but everybody had long hair then. It was the, uh, just after the hippies, that age group in the 60s. It's different how times have changed. It's, it's funny how uh, things change. You have different groups that had the country uh, and Western, that had the Beatles are on install either. Now you've got different type of music going on. 
every age has its own thing going on and uh, we try as parents, especially as fathers, to bring up like you as we did, but you pick your own way to go. That's true, that's true. So Grandma Lily didn't mind you having long hair, she didn't... Uh... Uh, no, she, Grandma Lily eventually got used to it. Well, I'm sure my mom would have got used to it if she'd let me have one. She told me I wasn't allowed. Yeah, yeah, no, so that's, that's the stage we went through. How'd your, uh, how'd your dad feel about it? He never mentioned too much about it. He was uh, really quiet. That's the way he wants to be. That's the way he is. Well, speaking of hair, I'm glad that uh, I take after Papa <laughs> with my hair and not you. Yeah. You got it. You got that fire knock on wood. Yeah, yeah. He, he kept his hair for quite a while. So uh, speaking of, we mentioned a few different, uh, a few different fathers, uh, your dad and then uh, your father-in-law. Yeah. Uh, so your first involvement with Masonry would have been through your dad. What do you remember about him and Masonry? Did you talk about it at all? Did he go? Yes, uh, we did. Uh, he was uh, past master of Altwistle Lodge in England that was consecrated in uh, 1915. I cannot remember what year he was master, but he was. But I wasn't living at home then because I left home and moved to Newcastle for work reasons and I lived in modern lodgings. So I wasn't too much involved. I knew he went to meetings and then it was very, I'm not saying secretive, but quiet. They didn't, uh, in Old Whistle, they had a Masonic room and it was, they went out to the meetings, he, he, he went every once a month, maybe once every two weeks to meet ends and all that. One thing I can remember is an aunt of mine, my dad's sister. She was coming down in the house when he was getting ready to go to a meeting, the lodge. And then she says to him, okay, Alan, what pant leg are you going to roll up tonight? <laughs> because you wore this pant leg and I'm scratching my head because my aunt, she catered to the uh, meetings. She was a help, help during the catering. And I suppose with the catering, she would see them with the pant legs rolled up. And, and I'm thinking, what pant leg? That is referring to the different degrees that will be putting on at that time. And that's starting to scratch. What pant leg are you going to roll up tonight, Alan? <laughs> that, that got me. <laughs> But my interest a bit. I remember, you know, it's growing up uh, in a Masonic family. You always hear, uh, you know, you don't know everything, but you always you always hear things that pique your interest. I remember growing up at the time you were working days. I think you might have been going into the master's chair, so you'd always wake up early, like six in the morning or so, to get ready. Yeah. And I'd hear you in the. I'd be in my room waking up and I'd hear you in the kitchen talking to yourself, thinking my dad must be going crazy, just sitting there mumbling to himself yeah. all alone. Now I know what you were doing. You were getting ready for your degree. Yeah, that's correct. That was doing uh, memory work 
whatever church you were doing. Also, while you were uh, going through the degrees, back then, we were not given a book or sheets of paper, what you had to learn to move on to the next one. It was word of mouth, either over the phone, and every second or third night, the two people or three people you were going through with, you'd meet in somebody's house and there was a coach and it was word of mouth. He would say the next line and then you would repeat it. And that was was. But we had one person who was going through with me, was my brother Teddy York. I liked going to uh, his place because his wife put on some fantastic sandwiches. So we always <laughs> looked to go into uh, Brother Ted York's wife's uh, house. Uh, we did at our house too that summer, but first in particular, little things like that stick in your mind. So it's uh, things like that that stick with you. What else, um, going back, uh, your father, uh, worshipful Brother Alan Adams, and he passed away before, before I was born, but I've gotten to hear a few stories about him over the years. Do you have any stories that stick out in your mind about him, either Masonically uh, or, or otherwise? There, there is one incident when I was leaving home, going down to Newcastle for my apprenticeship. I was living in board and lodgings, and where was I going to live? I didn't know. But then my dad says to me, hey, Harry, come with me. I think I found a place for you to stay. So we went, we went to this woman's house, it was a Mrs. Johnson. And it so happened her son was a school teacher that he was leaving home for his school teaching. And I was, here you go, you pay so much a week, and she would provide you with an evening meal and a breakfast. And that was really good. So how did he meet? or get in touch with this Mrs. Johnson woman. Until one day, I'm there, she was getting dressed up and she put on a white dress. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Johnson. Oh, I'm going to the Eastern Star. Oh, okay. So later on in life, I put two and two together. My dad was a mason in England, which is 35, 40 miles from Newcastle. And he got in touch with this Mrs. Johnson, whose husband had passed away. Presumably he'd been a Mason. And I suppose through the grapevine, that's how he got in touch with her. Her son was leaving home for his job and maybe she wanted somebody to help cut the grass and whatever. And I got it. So that's question I never got to ask him if he got it through the grapevine, the Masonic law, you know, that's going back oh, uh, 50 years, 50 years it's going back. So I do believe there was maybe a, a grapevine going on and I be quite honest, I always called him Mr. Johnson and I cannot even know what her first name was. <laughs> that's, uh, I think that's true for, I don't remember my, uh, 
the, the first names of my uh, actually first landlords when I lived in Ottawa. They had me over for the dinner a bunch of times, but I can't even think of their names now. I just yeah. called them Mr. and Mrs. Yeah. But when, when you went to Ottawa, you found your own place to go and stay. <laughs> it was an interesting place. I'll have to tell you some stories about that place someday. Uh, actually, uh, I don't know if she wants to be on the, the show or not, but uh, mom has a really, I like her story about uh, your dad going to get uh, ice cream. See if she wants to be on to tell the story. I always liked it. You want to tell a story about ice cream? Yes, she says she will be. Just this and that day. Hi, love. Hey, mom. How you oh, doing? Fine, how are you? Not bad. That's good. Um, yeah, okay, I remember Harry's uh, grandpa and grandma, uh, mom and dad were, uh, Harry's mom and dad were here visiting uh, from Halt Whistle and we took them to uh, Dairy Queen and uh, just on uh, Henderson Highway there. And uh, he was just, a, I forget what he ordered, whether it was a sundae uh, or a banana split or whatever, but uh, there was three of us there. Dad didn't go because he was working, but he ordered this, I forget, banana split or a sundae. And it was so big, his eyes just about popped out of his head. <laughs> he couldn't get over the size of this, uh, this Sunday, so uh, but uh, it was nice having them here. I wish uh, uh, they would have been able to come come uh, another time. But well, Harry uh, uh, Harry's mom came one other time after Harry's dad had passed away. She came in winter, I think, and that's when Dad was having problems with his stomach and he needed uh, blood transfusions and that. And you were, of course, were just a baby. And uh, so uh, she was here the only that time, and that was it. But then, as you know, as you remember, we went back a few times, so it was really nice uh, going back, especially for Dad and whatever. So uh, that was uh, that was good. So I still I remember one of my earliest memories is it was winter when Grandma Lily came because I remember I was at the waiting for her with you and Dad at the uh, airport. I remember having my snowsuit on and my crutches and my artificial legs at the time. And I remember she brought me a uh, uh, book about Thomas the train when she got oh. off the, the plane. I remember that. So That's right. And one Christmas, she was here one Christmas. That's right. She was here at Christmas time. Was that in winter? She, yeah, of course, Christmas is in winter. But And I uh, remember her uh, bringing you a, um, it was a rocking horse. And I forget what was on top, the rocking horse. And... Uh, but she couldn't get over our winters. She, I thought she would freeze. So I said, bring warm clothes because it gets pretty cold, like not like England. And uh, so, but she didn't mind it. But uh, um, you remember Lynette from Australia? Yep. And when she was here, we had a fantastic, I forget, it was in, of course, in the winter. And we had this fantastic storm and she couldn't get over the amount of snow that had fallen. She was just amazed. So, uh, our winters can be quite a thing for uh, people to see. So, uh, Speaking of Australia, you always worry about me and stuff and make sure I'm okay. But I heard a rumor that you once spent a year just gallivanting around Australia with, with no supervision or anything like that. So how <laughs> come you can do that, but I get in trouble? Well, <laughs> um, well uh, being a mom is different. So... Uh, but no, it was good, but um, I'm glad you're doing okay and take care of yourself. And uh, 
talk to you again next week then. And thanks for the interview. All right. Talk to you later. Okay, bye, love. Love you. Love you too. And he's so, back. Yeah, so, no, it's, it's my turn again. Did you, um, did you always plan on joining Masonry because your dad was a Mason or, uh, cause you, you didn't join until you moved to Canada. Thanks yeah. to the, thanks to that lady we just talked to. She stole you away from England. Yeah, no, well, that is correct. Uh, because after I served my apprenticeship and I worked in England for a year and then I went and got a job at sea, so I traveled. So I never really thought about it until I came to Canada and settled down and a lot of people where I work at, uh, in, in Transcona, that's uh, uh, the, one of the major uh, CN rail yards, uh, repair shops in Canada, and a few of the people I worked with, they were uh, Masons, and with uh, your mom, her dad being a Mason, that what piqued my interest. So that's when I applied and started going through my Masonic life. And when was that? I joined uh, Transcona Masonic Lodge in 19, uh, I was master, uh, uh, beginning of the 1990s, I, I forget exactly the, uh, you'll know because you got my, <laughs> I passed on my medals to you. I, I was master in 1995. I'll be uh, I'll be showing some of those during the uh, yeah. during the this video. I I know it's a little while, so you might remember it well. But I heard a rumor from Papa back when he was still alive that uh, you managed to get yourself locked out of the the building during your initiation. They had to come and rescue you. <laughs> that could have happened. I cannot really remember because Transcona Masonic. Large used to meet in the Transcona Legion in the upstairs lodge room, which was quite interesting because every time we had to set up the lodge and put down the chairs, put the east, west, north, south, and everything, and then after the meeting, you tear it all down and have your uh, refreshment hour and then go downstairs and support the Legion downstairs. One reason why we do not meet there now was the year I was master of the lodge, the Transcona Legion had a fire. So we were unable to have meetings. So fortunately, Kalkona, sorry, uh, East Kildona Masonic Temple, they let us meet there rent-free due to our hardships. That's where it was. And through that, we found it more beneficial. So we amalgamated in 1983 with Kildonan Masonic Lodge, it became Kilcona Lodge 183. And that was a beneficial for both lodges and for us and such like. So it was something happens in your history. There's nothing you want to happen while you're a master lodge of fire and 
scratching your head, wondering what we're going to do. But other masons bent over backwards to uh, help us out, and we we got through it. Unfortunately, we could have possibly survived as transport, but we found it beneficial for both lodges to amalgamate. Yeah, amalgamation is one of those topics that comes up a lot in yeah. uh, Masonic circles, whether it's appropriate or not appropriate or the best way to go about it. But I think certainly from what I, I know, Kilcona Lodge is an example of it working very well and being a benefit to both lodges. Definitely. Yeah. So let's go back. We, we talked to my mom. Uh, my poor mom, you know, her son is a Mason. Her husband is a Mason. Her dad was a Mason. Her father-in-law was a Mason. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Papa. I heard a, a story that uh, Papa um, Pen uh, Del Penson, he was a driving instructor in uh, his former, uh, is one of his careers. And I heard a rumor that when you first met him, you had a bit of an accident. Uh, Papa, he was a driving instructor. And when I met him, he was on the reviewing board. If you got so many points on your license, you would have to go and see him and explain the problems and this and that. And so that, that's what he was. He was a reviewing officer. So anyways, the first time I met him was in London airport. He was coming to visit uh, his daughter who was with me in England at the time. And they were come for a holiday and coming to meet me for the first time. So I was parked in uh, Heathrow Airport, waiting for the girl off the plane. Hello, how are you doing? Uh, oh, this is Harry. Oh, pleased to meet you. Pleased to meet you and all that. Well, now we're going to have to go and we're going to have to drive 300 miles north to where we live. I get in the car, pull out from the parking lot. I hit the car next to me. Okay, what do I do? <laughs> I looked, a little bit damaged to the car next to me. The rental car that I had had a big ding in the door. Well, I'll, I'll pay for them when I get back. So well, kept on driving. And then he was in the back and he says, excuse me, Harry, but do you know that I'm a reviewing officer for driving in Winnipeg? <laughs> Too late now, you've caught me. <laughs> well, that's one of these. <laughs> I, just feel, <clears throat> excuse me, I just feel sorry for the uh, person who came to the car next to them that was uh, damaged. Put it this way, that's going back 40 odd years. I wouldn't do it now, but back then, nerves, whatever. <laughs> one of them things that you shouldn't have done, but I did it. Well, from that auspicious occasion, it still worked out because here we are, yeah. you know, 50 odd years later. Yeah. Do you, um, you, do you think that masonry, uh, your Masonic career brought you closer to uh, Papa and to your, your father? Uh, my father, masonry, yes, but it was over a long distance because I didn't join masonry until I came to Canada, but he was a mason in 
England and I was only a mason for about uh, five years before he passed away. So over the telephone, yes, possibly we could see, but I was never a mason with him. But with Papa, it was meeting somebody new and he was a mason. So I'm not saying brought us close together, but we had the same common understanding. We knew where we were going and whether it brought us closer together because I became a Mason, I don't know. We w went to meetings together. We were members of different lodges. Uh, he grew up in the country in Elm Creek in Manitoba and, and they had a Masonic Lodge called uh, Crescent Lodge and he was past master of Crescent Lodge in the country. And then when he moved to the city, he became a member of a city lodge. So yes, we had the same things in common and we could talk and everything. And uh, your mom knew what your dad was going through when she was left alone. <coughs> oh, excuse me while we went out for meetings and all that, and they were let to know, know what was, was going on and everything. But when we went to meetings, uh, we traveled with a, a designated driver, and there was three, and there's some good experiences coming back home from the meetings, not because of... Uh, it's because one instant was coming home, it's 30, 40 below. It was my car with a designated driver. The car heater went. No heater in the car. So I was driving home. Somebody who had a scraper inside the car, scraping the inside of the window. So I, I could see through the window to get home. Maybe you shouldn't have drove home, but that's experiences you have that you, you look back on. I've had a few of those uh, trips. That's the thing about, about, you know, the importance of traveling and visiting as a Mason, I think, right? Is you get the experience of not just visiting the lodge and sitting in lodge, but you get the experience of the car ride and the travel to and from and getting to know, you know, your brothers and getting new experiences with them. And all that stuff it's so important yeah that that's true uh when i was uh appointed as the uh grand junior deacon very i followed the grand master around which is a friend of mine and what they have is called the northern trip which is a bus trip up north from winnipeg to visit Flynn, flon thompson and the park and you have a night in each one, and they put on a, uh, a degree at each lodge, and the, the wives go with them, and one lodge puts on a ladies' night. That is something different. That It's not too often we get to go up north, which um, that was a really good experience to go up and see how these northern lodges are working out in uh, Manitoba. We also, we used to have, we don't know, but we used to have a trip 
down to a lodge in Grand Forks in the States, in North Dakota. And they would put on a degree on a Saturday morning just to accommodate their trip from uh, the Masons in Manitoba down there to watch them put on the degree. And it was always a third degree that they were put on. And their lodge hall was like a theater and they had a stage. And it was really very, very interesting to go on. Unfortunately, through times, that has fallen by the wayside. And, <coughs> oh, excuse me, I'm going to go on a bit. Things like that stick in your mind. Really, really good. Yeah, I've, I've had a chance to take a, a lot of trips, and it's something I take a lot of you know, enjoyment out of. And it's probably the one piece of advice I always give to, to new members when they're first joining is find a uh, find a, find out when your lodge is traveling and if you can jump jump in you know if you want to chip in for gas you can but just figure out when when they're going where they're going and, and jump in and go with them. unfortunately over the last few years i haven't been as well on visitations as much as i should that's my own fault i I should remember. You, you visited a lot. Like you, you've earned your time. And I think it's more important for the new guys to, go, to visit because not saying you're old, but you're old. And one of the members learn so much. One of the visits, not one of the visits I did is one of the visits you did. As you know, I come from England, Northern England. But when you were younger, you decided to go on an archaeology dig and dig up my ancestors uh, at Havian's Wall. That's true. I, I grew I grew up about two miles from Hadian's Wall. So there you go. You decide, hey, Don, I'm going to go and dig up your ancestors. I do. I remember that trip. The thing I remember about it most is uh, I went to, I got a chance while I was there. I was a, uh, a mason. Or was that the second time I was there? At some point or another. No, it was the second time. I went back for my cousin's wedding. Um, after the archaeological dig, I went back to my cousin's wedding and I got to visit Hall Whistle Lodge while I was there. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. The, the thing that stuck out with me for that one is uh, ginger beer. It's a soft drink. I never had it before. And they served it to me at their refreshment, their dinner table, and that's the, my favorite drink in the world now. So thank you all with so large for that. I just discovered it. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that ginger beer? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's there twice you went over. Once on the archaeology dig and digging up my old ancestors. And then once you went over for the wedding and you got a chance to uh, go and visit my dad's lot. I did. Yeah. And it was, uh, that's a very special Masonic memory. One of those, those special traveling memories you get. I remember, uh, I don't know if you remember it or not, but when I got my, my third degree, you were uh, present for that. You came to visit us. Um, yes, you did. I have a lot of fond memories of that. I actually looked, I don't know if you recall, but we were driving from the, I was in law school at the time, so we were driving from the Masonic Temple uh, downtown to meet up with some friends who were at the bar. You and me were in our suits, so was uh, Bon Soto. Yeah. But 
I don't know if you remember, uh, we were stopped at a light and Windsor, Ontario has a few uh, strip clubs in, uh, <laughs> in town and one of the vans which picks people up stopped next to us and gave us all free passes to go to the strip club. <laughs> which we didn't go, I don't want to get you in trouble with mom, but I still have that pass. Yeah, I, rem I remember that. We were at the uh, Masonic meeting and mom was at the uh, place where uh, your law school students were. Yep. Yep. I also remember uh, during the meeting, once we were, I got my degree, they were going around asking uh, brethren to speak and they said, now we'll have uh, Brother Adamson say a few words and you stood up to talk and they're talking about me. So. <laughs> Said the better looking brother Adams to get to speak. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've had your things, uh, I don't know how many people know about when you were in Hamilton and you were uh, archaeology digging. But, anyways, you went on a horseback ride. But, anyways, when you came back to Winnipeg after you visit to Hamilton, you had your arm in a sling. Guess who fell off the horse? I remember that. <laughs> I. I had a lot wrong with me when I came back. Oh my God. Because that was the team of it. So let's see, I had a broken arm. I had, um, we were finishing off. So I hadn't slept in like three days because we had done, uh, we were all going our separate ways. So we all spent three days just hanging out and having a good time. So I remember being pretty, uh, I was pretty exhausted. I think I even had pink eye. I had a lot of things wrong with me coming off that, uh, coming out of that plane to meet you again. What happens? You see, you leave me alone for six weeks and yeah. I come back even more broken. Yeah. No, but that's you. You, I remember when you went to Ottawa where you uh, finished school. You came back home. You had one more year left in your uh, first, uh, first three years of university. And you says, oh, dad, I'm going to go to the University of Ottawa to finish off my BA in anthropology. I said, what? No, you're not. He said, yeah, I've got one more year left. He still graduated from the University of Winnipeg, but did the last year in university. And ever since then, you've been all over the place. Yeah, it keeps me, it keeps me out of trouble. But, but uh, let's, let's talk some more, since this is the Father's Day episode, let's talk some more about, uh, about dads. Okay. And uh, I asked you earlier, you know, what sticks out in your mind about your, your dad? Uh, you know, Masonically, you mentioned uh, him connecting you with a place to live. But what do you remember about your dad more in general? What type of, of man was he? He was a fairly quiet, he did quite a bit of uh, volunteer. He volunteered for the uh, St. John's Ambulance Brigade. And in Holt Whistle, that's a small town of three, four thousand people. But for an ambulance, there were volunteers, and so he had his first aid and all that. And every time somebody phoned and says, "Oh, they need an ambulance," he would go and drive. And so that's one thing he was really interested in. And his first aid, his volunteering with the St. John's Ambulance Brigade. He was a member of the Methodist Church, and he had some steps to repair, so he went and repaired the steps. He was always seemed to be doing something. Fairly 
quiet. A few friends, quite a few friends, but his main interest seemed to be doing the work because it's unfortunate to say that when he, he passed away of a heart attack and the heart attack he had, he had that while he was, <coughs> excuse me, while he was uh, polishing the ambulance. He couldn't be any closer to him when he was heart attack, but that's, uh, that's what, uh, that's what, was. that's what I remember most about my dad. Uh, he liked going to uh, soccer. Uh, he was a supporter of Carlisle United uh, Football Club, which was in the third or fourth division of the English League. And he had season tickets for that. And he'd go there every second week to, uh, he liked that. Did that cause any trouble with, uh, with you? Because aren't you a Newcastle United fan? Uh, I was, because I, I liked soccer. I, uh, Newcastle was my favorite team, but I didn't have season tickets, or I go to the occasional match, but I wasn't a regular uh, goer to live games. I would watch them on TV, and I would go with my dad occasionally to see Carlisle play. But that was, uh, that was it. What about uh, some memories you have of, uh, of uh, Papa, the type of person he was? Uh, he, he was different. He seemed to be more outgoing. Papa was uh, more into hands-on things, repairing things. He built a cottage out Lac de Bonnet, which is outside of Winnipeg, and he did a lot of work on that. He would build uh, wishing wells, spare scraps of wood. He would build wishing wells. He always seemed interested in doing things like that, and and he was that way inclined. Uh, that was the major difference. My dad wasn't very good. I'm not saying very good. He, he did woodwork and all that, but Papa, on the other hand, he was carpentry and all that. That's uh, that's the basic uh, differences with them. I remember once when my dad was here on vacation, and we took him out on a car trip just outside of Winnipeg to nearest Tank. We went to Carmen for uh, sales. Uh, hamburger, hot dogs, and we're going along, and then all of a sudden, he says to me, hey, Harry, I said, what? He says, you've gone 22 kilometers, and you haven't had a curve in the road. He couldn't get over how straight the roads were, like, you know, how small England is compared to the size of Manitoba, but that was one of the things that surprised him was, the straightness of the roads and no hills. I, uh, you mentioned, um, yeah, I remember being in England and it was a very curvy, uh, a lot of curves in the road, that's for sure. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Papa's Cottage in Lactabani. One memory I have when I was very young, I don't think I was more than four or five, it involves you at that cottage. You had taken me out along their driveway. They had rocks on either side. 
and you told me there's probably some snakes in there. Let's see if we can find any. So yeah. we were picking up the, the rocks to see. And then I remember I picked one rock up and the snake slithered out. And I wasn't expecting it, so I jumped back and screamed. And I remember Nana came running out and started yelling at you. Stop, stop scaring my grandson. What are you doing? I remember, I, I remember that, but that's a chance you take. I just remember the image of seeing her running down the, yeah. the driveway. I don't think I'd be the first son-in-law who's got in trouble from their mother-in-law. No, I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a few. Yeah, so... Did you, um, before you joined a masonry, did you talk to Papa at all about it? Or did you just tell him after you decided to join that you would be? Uh, I kind of remember, I think we, we, we talked about it, but he wasn't the one that says you should join, you know, because like masonry is that it's your own choice. And that's the way I, like, I didn't tell you to join, you, you didn't join and you, you know, so I think he was very happy that I did join and all that, but it was, uh, excuse me, just going to drink of water here. <coughs> one of, <coughs> excuse me, one of the reasons I maybe joined was a lot of the, my workmates, they were uh, into masonry and just like, and I was curious of what was going on and all that. And there's lots of anecdotes. It makes good men better and, and whatever. I, I suppose it does. It, uh, it's whatever you put in, you get out, that type of thing. It's, I was curious and uh, once I got in, my curiosity got the better of me and I kept up with it and going through the chairs and I was very happy that uh, a friend of mine when he was Grand Master thought he enough of me to appoint me as uh, the uh, district, sorry, the Grand, Grand Junior Deacon in 2004. Well, so it that was uh, very very rewarding and a happy feeling that somebody thinks of you uh, that much that they offer you the, because he's a friend of mine, but we worked together. We occasionally didn't see eye, eye to eye together on different things. You know, a lot of times we cursed and swore each other, you know, it wasn't buddy-buddy. Uh, it was friends and all, you know, friends of arguments, but you get back together and that's what majorly teaches you. Forget about it. Tomorrow's another day. Another step forward in the right direction. Away you go. Absolutely. That's a very good, very good lesson in masonry, right? And no masons are going to see eye to eye all the time. Even when we talk about the future of masonry and how to proceed. Uh, I've got into many, uh, many a scrap with some brethren about, you know, where, where masonry needs to go or, or the state of masonry. But at the end of the day, like you said, we're all brothers and, uh, for this interview, I looked through some of the archives that I have, and I came across a book. It was given to me by very worshipful Bell McMullen, Mystery of Manitoba. It's a book, but he wrote something on the, the front of it in it about mystery, this and that. But I've got here, uh, when you come home or when we come down to see you, I bring it with me and then I pass it on to you. 
then you can read what this Mel McMullen had to say about masonry in general. But really interesting. Yeah, I'd love to read it. I'd love to check it out for sure. Where, uh, you know, where do you see masonry going in the future? Do you see it changing? Do you what? What do you what do you look forward to in masonry? What do you think is is changing about it? Uh, I think masonry is going to change now, just because of this virus going on. Because masonry, the signs and symbols, the handshakes. Well, how can you pass on? from one degree to the next degree to the next degree without the handshakes, whatever, and this, the steps are, are okay, but so whether there'll be a big change in masonry, I don't know, because Grand Lodge of Manitoba is canceled this year. There are going to be elections, but it's all through like, like Zoom like this and all that. And, you told me that the Grand Lodge of Ontario is changed, well, not changing this year, but it's suspended. Yeah. yeah, suspended. That's the same in Manitoba, suspended until. So when they get back together, we'll have to wait to see. But it's come through before. I was, what, the 1918 when had the Spanish Amadeus Actually, I was just reading in today's paper about the polio epidemic that they had in the uh, 1950s in Manitoba, which to me was a very debilitating disease because it uh, affected people's limbs. People ended up in wheelchairs and this. So I'm sure things will prevail brighter heads will come together and say, hey, we're going to have to do this like this, we're going to have to do this like that. Um, but I don't think it'll change too much. Uh, it's changed quite a bit for me, being coming out more out in the open than it used to be. I suppose with computers, previously it was all word to mouth, and that's because people couldn't read or write, then when you learn to read or write, it was put on paper. Now, people have learned computers, put on computer. What's the next step? You know, one, one thing I wonder about, uh, if, if it was a big change, is I remember growing up, um, you know, it seemed like there was a push to get families involved in masonry. I remember going to a lot of Christmas parties, and I was certainly much more aware that you were mason, and aware of the other brothers, and you know, hanging out with them at the Legion and you had ladies' nights and yeah. wives were involved. Was that the case in your dad's time? Did you go to Masonic Christmas parties? And no. My, uh, I was a lodge. I cannot remember having Christmas parties or nothing like that. I knew there was the Eastern Star. But what is happening in Winnipeg, it seems to be the uh, Dimelay. The Dimelay seems to be on the rise, which is, as you know, that's the uh, youth 18 and, and the youth group of the 
there's seems to be a few more Dimele coming on. And there was, when I grew up my dad's age, it was very, I'm not saying secretive, we knew where the Masonic Hall was, we knew they went to meetings, but far from my dad and a couple of his friends, I wouldn't know in Altus, a population of 3,000 people, how many were Masons or how many weren't. There must have been a few to keep the Masonic Hall going. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I know when I got to visit, there was, uh, there was one brother. He was, uh, when I visited Hawasolaja, I saw them put on a second degree and there was a brother. He was acting as senior deacon. I'm not sure what his, he was just sitting in the chair because they needed him. But yeah. he told me he had, he was an older fellow, but he had, had met uh, my grandfather, your dad. He had actually, uh, Helped him through the uh, through the chairs okay. when he first went through. Helped mentor him. Yeah, you know it's it's funny you talk about um, you know your father having a heart attack while he was polishing his ambulance. <laughs> it just goes to show how yeah. dedicated he was to the community and to his volunteer work and what a caring guy he was. And he certainly passed that on to you because I know how much you care about your brothers and your community yeah. and all the work that you do. So you certainly got that from him. You're caring and you're... But, but have I passed it on to you? you you're, you're doing more than I ever did for masonry. Well, it seems to be because you're, you're secretary uh, of one large that's at the harbor. You, you seem uh, more interested in it. In the, as like yesterday, you did that uh, interview with the nuclear scientist for the uh, Euclid the 47th proposition of Euclid. I've known, I've read it, but you seem interested in digging deeper. That's, I, I am, it's definitely, you know, basically, for whatever reason, it's something about it struck me and I, yeah, yeah. I grew very fond of it. So I try to do, do as much stuff with it as I can. But in terms of just community support, I think, you know, your yeah. dad being with St. John's Ambulance and volunteering oh. to put the stairs on and, and all the work that you and mom do in the community volunteering, whether it's the variety club or, I think you got a definite sense of community. I'm yeah, just wanting to help people from, uh, from yeah, your dad. We did, uh, actually Mumstel does collects uh, money from boxes for uh, the variety club. Still a little bit involved in that. And the years ago, variety club had a parking lot for uh, the Bomber home games. So your mom and I, along with a couple of other people, would go and collect a $5 parking fee while people parked there for <coughs> going to watch the bomber game, look after the uh, cars for them while they were, little things like that. And uh, we, I don't help out as much as I used to. Uh, I do poppies, poppy day, and poppy day fund. I'll stand and collect money for uh, the veterans for the poppies that's what we still do speaking of uh of mom i know she said only once but since we are doing the the father's day uh episode does she want to come on and talk about papa at all and any what type of guy he was <laughs> she says she says no <laughs> okay 
Oh, it's fine. Tell her. Tell her. She'll just be a minute. She'll be. She'll just be a minute. Hi, love. How's it going? Good, 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 good. So we talked about uh, Pop a little bit, but is there anything you want to add about the type of uh, man he was and dad he was and all that type of stuff? He was a wonderful dad and a wonderful father. And he did a lot for us. They didn't have that much money, but what they gave us was, uh, uh, was good. And uh, he loved going on trips, but he always wanted to get home. If we were close to home, I don't think he wanted to spend money on a camping spot or whatever. So we would arrive back at something like two or 12 o'clock midnight. But uh, no, he, he was, they were both very good. And they did, uh, we had good times. And uh, as I said, they didn't have that uh, much money, but what they gave us was love and that's all that counts. Isn't it true? I, I once heard a story that uh, since I, I told about dad getting in trouble, I should probably talk about you getting in trouble. Didn't you? Uh, I used to stay up late and sneak out and try to watch TV shows I wasn't supposed to late at night. Didn't you once get in trouble for from Papa for you and Aunt Bev for watching Outer Limits or some scary show you weren't supposed to? Yeah, we were watching this. Uh, like, uh, was it Outer Limits? Uh, it was a scary show anyway. And I remember, uh, was it that late at night, though? It was maybe after supper or something like that. I can't really remember, but it wasn't late at night. And I remember Dad was there, and we screamed, turn that bloody TV off, he say. <laughs> he wasn't, uh, you shouldn't watch shows like that. But uh, no, he was, uh, they were all very nice, and uh, we had some wonderful times. And as I said, we didn't have that much money, but what they gave us, was love and that was the more important thing. And uh, they had good times. I remember uh, with uh, dad talking about the old times with his mom and dad and getting together at Christmas and whatever. And we always had Christmas uh, parties and uh, everybody would take turns having Christmas dinner and whatever. And then um, uh, uh, mom's mom and dad, uh, were wonderful people. I really miss grandma. I loved her dearly. And uh, she was a great grandmother. And Bev and I uh, used to go over there and stay uh, weekends with them. And uh, we had a lovely time. Uh, grandma was the type of person that she would give you anything. And they didn't have much money either. But she was a lovely person. So and then grandpa, unfortunately, died at quite a young age of uh, pancreatic cancer. But uh, they were all, uh, yeah, no, it was good. It was good. I, do, uh, I should probably ask this because you, you deserve a medal here. You've got, you know, me, who's not easy to deal with, who's a Mason, and then you're married to a Mason, and then your dad was a Mason, and your father-in-law was a Mason. You know, you're a poor woman. Your whole family is, are Masons. So what memories do you have of Masonic events, of ladies' nights, or going out with, you know, the wives or, or stuff like that. Do you have any fond memories of masonry? Yeah, it was very nice. Like dad's ladies night, going out to ladies night was uh, a wonderful event. And uh, it's too bad in years to come that they didn't have the, I don't know whether people didn't want, didn't have the numbers to have it, people, like weren't buying tickets, but it was uh, a lovely. And I remember uh, my, like my mom's mom and dad, my grandfather wanted to, to be a Mason, 
but uh, my grandmother was very uh, much against it because she thought it was too secretive. So he never uh, became a Mason, but um, we did have uh, like uncles and uh, whatever that were uh, in, in Masons. And then uh, some aunts of mine uh, from the country uh, were an Eastern star as well. They had a, had a chapter, I think that's what you call it, chapter, right? in uh, the country so they were they were involved and uh so uh but no it was good and then like you mentioned christmas parties they had and uh whatever it was uh and and functions like after the lodge uh maybe it was a spent maybe the last season of the meet of their meetings and what last uh, month of their meetings and they would have where the wives could come and and whatever and uh um, meet each other and uh, so it was all uh, it was all uh, very nice and they did have other things that you volunteered up with I remember uh, uh, one of dad's brothers had a he was grandmaster was he and they did a thing at Salome Mission where you went and helped uh, with the food and stuff like that like serving it and things like that so they had some good um, uh, good support for the community that they did and like uh, with Dad's Lodge and I'm sure other lodges they would give um, money to uh, the hospital here in Trans in Transcona and uh, donate uh, money so for uh, for certain things that they needed a uh, something or needed a, a new machine or whatever they would support that so the work that Masons do is uh, is fantastic for the community and helping out the community. Is it, uh, is it true, because I've heard a rumor, that in your much, much younger days, at one of these ladies' nights, you found yourself dancing on a table? Uh, <laughs> a rumor I might have heard? It was a, it was a true rumor, rumor, but we had lots of fun. And <laughs> as I said, that uh, it was nice. And, and, and not only that, the camaraderie of uh, the Masons and and I like that to have ladies night with another lodge. So that was that was really nice because the camaraderie among Masons and their wives is very, very special. And it's so nice to have to have that. And uh, like uh, I am I do uh, hear uh, phone up people that have lost their husbands and who were Masons. And I would phone them up and see how they're doing and might take uh, one uh, lady out for uh, one for lunch, for lunch or whatever. So, uh, and they very much appreciate that. And uh, I love doing it. So uh, it's, uh, and as I said, uh, it's, it's a, as I said, a wonderful organization and uh, people are so good to one another and uh, they do a lot. So. Well, thank you so much for, I know you said only one time and I got you back a second time. <laughs> thank you so much. All right, love you. Love you. And he's back. Yeah, no, no, that gave me time to get a drink of water to get this frog out of my throat. Before we, uh, before we, we finish off, yeah. I was wondering, do you remember who sponsored you? Who your two sponsors for masonry? And are they still floating around? Uh, 
to be quite honest with you, Cameron, I cannot, I've got it written down, but I cannot remember who, one of them might have been uh, most worshipful brother, Kenny Bouchard, who uh, appointed me as, uh, I cannot, cannot, can I say I, I do know they both worked at CN Rail with me, so sorry, can I remember that? What uh, what do you like? What are some more uh, either fond memories of events or just Masons that you remember that stick out in your mind? I know you talked about the uh, you know driving home and having the having to scrape the inside of the car. But uh, there's over the years, there's lots of different things that. Uh, <laughs> things that stand out. Uh, one is when there was a candidate who was going round blindfolded, and for some reason he hadn't tied up his pants properly, and his pants fell down. That's <laughs> happened in my lodge too. <laughs> you know, so there's, 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 there's things like that. You know, but uh, there's over the years, there's lots of different things that stick out in your mind. Uh, but at the end of it, you have together to get to go say, as mom just mentioned about the uh, volunteer work and the work that the Masons do, a lot of that is advanced by a lot of the Masons I know, they've gone on to the shrine and they do the charity work through the shrine and all that. I haven't gone that far, but that's but is I cannot put the finger on anything and say that's the best thing I did. Well, I can. The best thing I did was to be raised to the sublime degree of a master mason. That's the best thing ever, and all the rest is uh, uh, gravy, gravy on the on the meat. It is uh, that the, the sublime degree is a special degree, and. Mine was particularly special because I got to have you in attendance uh, to see it. So that was something that I, a uh, very fond memory I have. And then we got invited to the strip club afterwards. So that's better. <laughs> Some very attractive, very nice and attractive young ladies. Yeah. Okay. That, that's good. Anyways, that's all I can say. Well, this is uh, our Father's Day episode. So I'll say it now. Happy Father's Day. I Thank love you. And I'm, Proud that you're my dad, and I'm proud that you're uh, you're amazing. You're okay. my brother. Okay, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to uh, say what I uh, wanted to say. Well, I will uh, keep out of <laughs> I'll leave you for dinner. Do what mom tells you. Don't get in trouble. Okay, yeah. Okay, goodbye. All right, love you. I love you Bye, too. Mom. Bye. Bye.